0: Hi again everybody, I'm Dan Hord, and thanks for downloading the Bengals Booth podcast. The, and the memories bring back, memories bring back you. Addition, as we celebrate Ken Riley's long overdue selection to the Pro Football Hall of Fame and pay tribute to AJ Green, who announced his retirement on Monday. Plus, we'll head to Arizona and check in with Bengals.com editor, Jeff Butch Hobson, who's on location for Super Bowl 57. The Bengals Booth podcast is brought to you by Kettering Health, the official health care provider of the Bengals. With more than 120 care facilities and 1,500 care providers, Kettering Health is committed to guiding you to your best health. Visit KetteringHealth.org to learn more. Now, here's a quick reminder that you can have the latest edition of this podcast delivered right to your phone, tablet, or computer by subscribing, wherever you get your podcasts. It's the greatest thing since... A drive through car wash. If you live in Cincinnati or in a part of the world with harsh winter weather, it's about that time for the first car wash of the year to get the dirt, road salt, and overall crud off of your vehicle. I don't know about you, but I'm a big fan of the drive through style, like Mike's car wash in Cincinnati. Sure, it's more expensive than doing it yourself, but I enjoy sitting in my car for the whole process. The brushes and bristles the lighted signs that tell you when wax is being applied or the undercarriage is being cleaned. It's like a very, very slow amusement park ride. Now, let's get to football. 25 years after Anthony Munoz became the first and still only Bengals player to be inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, he finally has company, as Ken Riley will be enshrined in August. That was made official on Thursday, when this year's Hall of Fame class was announced at the NFL Honors Ceremony. Riley was one of three players chosen in the senior category, along with Chuck Howley and Joe Klecko. Willie Anderson was a finalist in the modern era category, but will have to wait for at least another year. Ken Riley spent 15 seasons in a Bengals uniform and his 65 career interceptions is tied for fifth most in NFL history a remarkable accomplishment considering that he didn't even play defense at Florida A&M. Here are Mike Brown and Bob Trumpy on now Hall of Famer Ken
1: Riley. Kenny uh, came here as a quarterback and uh, we had Greg Cook. This was before Greg got injured at training camp. The quarterbacks would stand and pretty much watch greg and it was obvious who was going to be the quarterback Uh, greg was the best player we ever had and kenny uh, was standing there when my dad came over about the third day he had been in camp and said to uh, kenny you go over there and that was the extent of the conversation (laughs) over there was with the uh, defensive backs and kenny went and uh proceeded to play for us, I don't know how many years, 13, 14, 15, whatever it was, it was forever. Uh, He was uh, a player with great composure. He could play the ball in the air, always poised, knew what was going on, was in position as he should be on every play. And uh, even though he was somewhat uh, slight in build, uh, he was a... uh, fierce tackler uh, one play or one maneuver he had that was his alone I, I've seen other guys do it but not, not do it as a regular routine or uh, 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 they would do it just on occasions when it happened without thinking can you do it purposefully he would uh, come up on these guys who caught the ball in front of him and uh, as they were catching the ball looking back towards the line of scrimmage he'd come from behind and hit him right under the rump and uh, they would go for a cartwheel in the air literally and uh, uh, not all of them uh, kept the ball when that went on uh, he would uh, dislodge the ball from them But it was a maneuver that was routine for him, and I've often wondered why others didn't uh, pick it up and do it as uh, just a regular way of play. It didn't seem to hurt anybody. They went for a ride, but they all came down in a heap and uh, got right back up. Uh, It wasn't injurious, it was just uh, enough of a blow that uh, It caught their attention, and it would catch your attention if you saw it as well. So Kenny had uh, the ability to be rough and tough as well as smart, and uh, he's so deserving.
2: Wonderful teammate. Uh, Appreciative of your effort. Uh, I never heard him say a bad word about anybody. Uh, Always laughing. Uh, In fact, Dan... uh, When I first found out that Ken Raleigh had been a quarterback in college, I I was astonished because he was so quiet. He was a hard guy to get to know, not because of of any personality flaw. He was a hard guy to get to know because he was so uh, studious about what he was doing and so serious about it. And uh, the, the thing that, that uh, I remembered most about him. And we had two practices a day, an hour and 15 minutes each, seven days a week, for two months in preparation for the season. And other than getting his ankles taped, I never saw Ken Riley in the the training room. So then we we sat down at tables for breakfast, lunch, and dinner with anybody and everybody. We didn't care what color they were or where they live and every time I sat down with uh, Ken Riley you're not going to believe this but I kind of dominated the conversation <laughs> shocker so, so I, I, maybe I didn't give uh, Ken Riley a chance but uh, I, I was friendly with all of them but, but every every time Somebody started to – I'm on the sideline with the offense. offensive the defenses out there. There seemed a period of time where every time there was a big cheer from the stands in Riverfront Stadium, it was something that Ken Riley had done. He'd either uh, low-balled a Lance Allworth or or an Otis Taylor, the Kansas City Chiefs, flipped them over, or he had an interception. But, but again, personally, uh, he was just great to be around – Wonderful guy, and there was so much about him I didn't know about him until later on in our careers, and then after he retired. I wish I'd have known it more. I should have shut up and listened to him.
0: Later in the podcast, I'll visit with Bengals.com editor Jeff Hobson, who is a Hall of Fame voter. We'll discuss Ken Riley getting in, how things look for Willie Anderson and Ken Anderson going forward, and the latest Bengals topics, including... A possible contract extension for Joe Burrow. The Bengals Booth podcast is brought to you by Paycor. More than 29,000 customers trust Paycor to help them recruit, pay, engage, and retain employees. Learn more at paycor.com. AJ Green announced his retirement this week after 12 years in the NFL. That includes the 2019 season that he missed due to injury. AJ ranks second in team history behind Chad Johnson in receptions, receiving yards, and touchdown catches. Oddly enough, Ken Riley had 65 interceptions, and A.J. Green had 65 touchdown grabs in a Bengals uniform, beginning with a fourth-quarter game winner in his NFL debut from Bruce Gradkowski. A good trivia question to beat the Cleveland Browns. For whatever reason, I don't have the radio call of that first touchdown pass in my archives, but... I have most of the other ones, so let's listen back to about three minutes worth of AJ in action. Now, an I formation backfield on first and ten. Play action, fake roll got him, to the right, got deep him. ball for a wide open oh, AJ Green. Baby. Catches it at the 18. It's a touchdown for Adriel. Jeremiah Green, his eighth consecutive game with a touchdown catch on a beautiful 57 yard bomb from the Red Rifle. It's a play action fake. Dalton sets up to throw. Come he on, wins AJ. it deep for a wide open yeah. AJ Green. Catches in yeah. stride. Look fire, at him go fire. at the 20, yeah. the 10, the 5, Woo. touchdown! Yeah. Bengals, 81 yards to 18. Gabriel. Yeah. Jeremiah Green. Boyd out to the right. Here's a pass to A.J. Wiggles out of an ankle tackle and runs into the end zone for a Bengals touchdown. Great yak. Yards after catch produces a touchdown for Adriel Jeremiah Green. Dalton takes a shotgun snap against a five-man rush. He's going to fire deep. A.J. AJ Green is open. He bobbles it. He's got it. At the 20. Great cut. Still running. 10. 5. Touchdown! Adriel Jeremiah (laughs) Green. 77 yards. The former juggler as a kid (laughs) made a juggling catch and took it to the house to give the Bengals a 21 16 lead. On first and 10. Dalton fakes to mix and throws it high and deep. AJ Green catches at the Buffalo 40, sprinting toward the middle of the field at the 15. 10, 5, touchdown! 77 yards! Andy Dalton finding AJ Green, who roasted the rookie cornerback, Tredavious White. Boyd goes in motion. Dalton back to throw, steps up, heaves it long. AJ Green is wide open. He's got it! Touchdown! Bengals, as Andy Dalton floated a high rainbow, 54 yards downfield, a touchdown to A.J. Green. No Revis Island there. It is third and seven at the Pittsburgh 25. McCarron, five yards behind the line, takes a shotgun snap, it's a four-man rush. A.J., downfield for A.J. Green, he catches it, and goes into the end zone! Touchdown, Bengals! A 25-yard touchdown, and the Bengals have a one-point lead. Dalton back to throw. We're down to five seconds left in the half. He's going to throw a high, deep Hail Mary pass into the end zone. And it is bobbled and caught. AJ Green makes the catch on the ricochet Hail Mary. A 49-yard touchdown pass as a prayer is answered in the end zone by Adriel. Jeremiah Green. Over the years, the Bengals have probably had more great players at wide receiver than any other position. Isaac Curtis, Chris Collinsworth, Carl Pickens, Chad Johnson, T.J. Hushmanzada, A.J. Green, and the current trio of Boyd, Higgins, and Chase. Here's Mike Brown on A.J. Green.
1: If I had a starting uh, all-time Bengals team, uh, he'd be on it. Uh, He brings a different package. He's fast but not as fast as Isaac. Uh, He's quick but not as quick as Chad. Uh, He uh, has a tremendous catching radius and a very competitive spirit. You um, feel really secure with him on one side. They have to overplay him. They know if they don't they're in trouble. And yes, you're right when you say we've had a number of top wideouts over the years. I think probably uh, that is a position where we've had more than our share of great players.
0: The Bengals Booth Podcast is brought to you by Bengals Picks and Ultimate Bengals. They're free to play with tickets and signed merchandise up for grabs. Find both inside the Bengals app. After A.J. announced his retirement, I asked on Twitter, if there were any highlights or memories that you wanted me to include in this podcast. I got a response from at Governor Chief asking if I ever did a fun fact segment with AJ. The answer is yes. Green's rookie year was my rookie year, as the Bengals radio voice, and that weekly segment was still in its infancy. It was only about five minutes long back then. It's typically twice that long now. But here's 23-year-old, AJ Green. Time for fantastic fun facts with Adriel <laughs> Jeremiah Green. Yeah. Anybody in your life that uses your real name? Uh, sometimes my my parents. Uh, that's about it. Nobody else. Did they used to drop it on you when you got in trouble? Yeah, my mom did. <laughs> All right, you're a South Carolina kid. Tell us a little bit about where you're from.
3: Uh, I'm from uh, this uh, little country place called Ridgeville, South Carolina. Uh, no, nothing out there. Just a country area, and, you know, just uh, went to Somerville High
0: School, and that's where I played football. So. Speaking of Somerville High School, your high school football coach is the winningest high school football coach ever. Yeah. John McKissick, still yeah. going strong at 85, is that right? Yeah, 85. Uh, <laughs> it's unbelievable.
3: Uh, he, he's still active. He still uh, coaches, so this is unbelievable. What was he like? Uh, you know, he was real outgoing, uh, always talking, you know, always trying to coach. Uh, you know, he got reigned over a couple of times on the sideline, so I don't know how he's still coaching, but uh, he's a great guy.
0: I read somewhere that he's retired one number in his 59 years or 60 years of high school coaching. Yeah. It's yours. Yeah. That must
3: mean a lot. Yeah, definitely, man. It's, uh, coming from him, uh, you know, he seems a lot of great that, that came through that program, and, uh, you know, I'm, I was just honored.
0: So, 10th grade, high school, you verbally commit to Georgia. Yeah. What was it about the Bulldogs that um, uh, enthralled you so?
3: Uh, it, it was just Coach Rick and, you know, just uh, preaching to be a better man after the life of football. And I, I felt like I could go anywhere and play. And uh, But the, this gave me that that, 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 that like growing up and being a man and being on my own.
0: And I felt like Coach Rick uh, was the best man for that. So after you did that, a bunch of big-time coaches from other schools kept coming around trying to get you to change your mind, right? Yeah, definitely. But, I, you
3: know, I stayed firm and, uh, you know, I, I held it through. Who is your childhood hero? Um, you know, my I got got to be my parents. Uh, you know, just they always pushed hard work, and uh, you know, always said nothing is easy. You Always have to work for. Got to be my parents.
0: Did you have an athletic hero, somebody whose poster was on your bedroom wall, anything like that? Oh, uh, probably Michael Jordan. Uh,
3: you know, because he always uh, strives himself to be great, and that's what I'm trying to do. All right. So you're the number
0: four pick in this year's draft. Obviously, uh, whoever that is is well compensated. What, what do you, what's your splurge? What do you spend money on?
3: Um, you know, I'm just uh, not really a big spender, but I love clothes and shoes. That's my passion. Even though I don't really get dressed dressed that much,
0: but uh, you know, just just the knowledge that I know that I have them is always good. So a clothes horse, huh? Yeah, clothes and shoes. All right, I, I read it somewhere that uh, you were on a juggling team yeah. as a kid. Yeah. What, what do they do on the juggling team? Uh, you know, you just juggle uh,
3: different items like balls, scarves, all kind of stuff like that. And uh, we used to perform at times of basketball games. So. Kind of fun.
0: How many things could you get in the air? Uh, Four. Four. And then then after sixth grade, I was like, man, it's not cool no more. So I just quit. (laughs) AJ, is it like riding a bike? Could you still juggle if we had four objects here right now? Oh, yeah, definitely.
3: Uh, uh, Gatorade did like a little special on me uh, with a little juggling stuff. So I I still
0: got it. It's radio, so I'm not going to ask you to. So Uh you're off the hook for now anyway. Have you had any other jobs other than professional athlete? Oh, yeah.
3: Um, I had. One job at this store, like department store, like Stevie and Bears, and I used to work at Zaxby's. Uh, but my coach made me uh, quit a both, a, I mean both jobs, because he said I had my whole life to work. So, <laughs>
0: You know, I just focus on athletics. Well, they sold shoes there, so you were able to indulge your habit, probably for for liking shoes, right? Yeah,
3: a little bit, (laughs) for like two weeks.
0: (laughs) All right, what NFL star do you look forward to meeting? Gotta be probably uh, this, this
3: Peyton Manning. Yeah, you know, just watching the whole my whole life growing up, and you know, just now I'm here like playing on the same field. Uh, Well, not playing on the same field, but in the NFL. But uh, gotta
0: be Peyton Manning. When you have met big time people over the last year or two, are you a little bit awestruck or are you over that no I think I'm I'm over that now so all right fair enough when you're not at work what do you enjoy doing probably just sleeping and playing uh, video games (laughs) how late do you sleep when you can I mean if if you've got the freedom to sleep how late will you go Uh, probably two o'clock three o'clock you know no longer an option in the NFL
3: yeah exactly (laughs) Uh, you're lacking me you just need to get your rest when you can
0: all right you're off the hot seat thanks (laughs) thank you as I told A.J. in a text this week, it was truly a privilege to broadcast his games for nine seasons, and I look forward to the day when he enters the Bengals' ring of honor. The Bengals Booth Podcast is brought to you by AltaFiber, future-proof fiber internet capable of delivering multi-gigabit speeds designed to take your home, business, and community to a new level. Elevate your connection with Alta Fiber. Now, time for my conversation with Bengals.com editor, and Hall of Fame voter, Jeff Butch Hobson. Jeff, it is a night for the Bengals organization and Bengals fans to rejoice as Ken Riley is officially going into the Pro Football Hall of Fame in August. You are one of 49 people on the selection committee. What ultimately got the Rattler over the hump? I think uh, when they expanded the committee, uh,
4: when they expanded the uh, senior uh, nominations, From one to three. Uh, Only one senior was able to get in a year. It it was just too tight of a call. I mean, they tell you about those uh, uh, those meetings where, you know, you got to come out with one senior and there would be 15. There'd be a list of 15 guys and Ron Borges, the great Ron Borges of a longtime pro football writer would, you know, he'd tell you they when we when we left the room, there were Hall of Famers strewn about the floor. And uh, so opening it up, and also I think uh, there's been a great effort uh, on the ground to help get him in and to be aware, to be aware of those 65 interceptions, you know, can point to uh, Bengal Jim Jim Foster, you know, with his trips to Canton. And uh, you can look at the, just at the 65 interceptions himself. Uh, that, that I think that that held up over time. I mean, that the, it's amazing how, how great that number is when you consider uh, that since Kenny retired in 1983, only one player uh, that came into the league after that had more had more than him. It was uh, Rod Woodson, and uh, that I think ultimately expanded the committee. The you know expanding and changing and revamping the senior guidelines, um, and uh, the efforts of Bengals fans
0: and uh, the 65 picks did it. So that process you're talking about for selecting senior candidates, guys whose careers ended at least 25 years ago, that changed last year. What does that mean for Ken Anderson moving forward, do you think?
4: Well, I I think it's – there were two things that came out of the first. You know, it's stunning that he didn't, uh, you know, go as far as he did, I thought. But I do think that that – just like for Kenny Riley, I do think that opens it up for Kenny Anderson. But when, I don't know, you know. I think it always kind of they always kind of hurt each other's candidacy a little bit because they're both Bengals and both played in the same era, and I don't and I don't, and I don't think that helped either one. And uh, but hopefully with the expanded with, you know with the expanded seniors list, uh, you got to believe that Kenny Kenny Anderson gets in uh, sooner
0: rather than later. We are visiting with Bengals.com editor Jeff Butch Hobson. Willie Anderson has been a finalist in the modern era category in each of the last two years. Unfortunately, big Willie did not get the nod this year for those who don't support him. Do they say why? No, you know, it's,
4: it's, it's a great question. That's a great way to approach it. And, uh, because nobody ever tells you, nobody ever tells you that, but you can only, you only have to kind of, uh, say, you know, well, he played on, uh, uh, he played on Bengals teams that weren't very good and he played right tackle, but that just doesn't hold the water anymore because first of all, people, you know, he certainly won more games than Joe Thomas. You know, he was on more contenders than Joe Thomas and he blocked and and, and he blocked and you can't say, well, he was a right tackle, but he blocked as many great players as Joe Thomas did. So those arguments really don't wash when you put in guys like a guy like Joe Thomas, who I think I think fine. I think you know he's a he's certainly a hall of he's certainly a hall of fame worthy, uh, but I don't think he's you know he's certainly uh, Willie is just as accomplished if not more than he is. But why wh- why does a guy like that get in quicker than Willie does? And uh, we could probably do a dissertation on this at the Newhouse School, or we we ever <laughs> back for an alumni weekend? Although Beheim might yell at us. We may be too old to be yelled at. He likes to yell at young guys, but uh, I, I think Willie's another guy who's going to get in, and it's and it. But I don't know when. You know, will he be like vaselli Where it, you know Tony Baselli was on the ballots it was in the final six times before he made it. I certainly hope it's not that. Uh, it doesn't take that long. But the the key is to get him in the room. Keep getting him in the room for those finals where his case is presented and discussed. And like you, at some point. You know, the voters are going to look at each other and say, you know, yeah, there's there's no reason. You know, there's, there are no there are no uh, really uh, marks on
0: the no category. Let's talk about a guy who's not in the room. Corey Dillon. He's 20th in NFL history in career rushing yards. He ranks ahead of many Hall of Fame running backs, including O.J. Simpson, Earl Campbell, Terrell Davis, etc. cetera. He has two of the top 17 single game performances in NFL history. He was the leading rusher on a Super Bowl champion in New England. There seems to be very little Hall of Fame buzz. Why?
4: I, you know, it's, uh, could be my fault. Just trying to get one guy in takes so much air out of the room. But, you know, I, you know, I always state Corey's case. And I think uh, Paul Dana Jr. has done a nice job stating, uh, stating Corey's case. And the, the guys who have gone in, I know, you know, the names you hear Fred Taylor. Well, put up Corey's career against Fred Taylor. It's, 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 could I argue in many ways it's better because he's got a ring and he had a better, uh, you know, he had a better, you know, his season in New England was, I think, better than anything that Fred did. But, you know, that, that, that case, that, I think the position too, it's hard to, it's, 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 uh, I mean, in this day and age, you've got to be unbelievable to get in there with all the, I mean, there's a, there's a look at the backlog of receivers, not one receiver made it into the hall this year. Uh, you know, you got a backup of uh, three guys that have worthy cases, but you know, those are the guys that get the ink and a running back from the turn of the century. How do you get traction? And uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how to, uh, how that can be, uh, you know, outside of a, $6 million public relations blitz. I don't know how to uh, how to get it in the voters' minds that, that Corey Dillon is uh, certainly, sh- is certainly should be in the room. Certainly should be. And I would say, if you look at the facts that have been in
0: there recently, he should be in camp. It is not your fault, for the record. And I do want to give you some credit because every NFL team has one media member on the committee. So you have helped make the case for Ken Riley. Willie Anderson, Ken Anderson, and others. What does Ken Riley's selection mean to you personally?
4: I think I've cried about three times since I found out that he was that he was in. Uh, and it's, uh, I know what it means to his family for one thing. and I know, and Kenny and I would talk about it a lot, you know, and he was and it meant a lot and it meant a lot to him. It didn't, you know, like like his son said, it's not something that he thought about all the time, but when, you know, uh, uh, a guy like me would ask him invariably, which I, I asked him a lot, he would talk about it. He would talk about it and he would, uh, it was on his mind, but it was on his mind during voting. And so I, it means a lot to me because of how much it meant to him and his family. And uh, I just felt happy that I could have a hand in it that I could write about him because, I, because ultimately Kenny get in because of his case. You know, I just feel so happy for I feel I feel like his wife does who's bitter. It's bittersweet because he's not here. So it's a, it f- for me, it's a range of emotions from it's it's you cry for a lot of different reasons. And one is that he's in and the other reason is he's not here. It's pretty emotional, but I, I think I get all my crying out of the way. So when I was able to hit the button to say that he was in, I
0: was in a mm-hmm. I was in a good frame of mind. All right. Let's change subjects. AJ Green retired this week, as far as I can tell. You're the only reporter he has talked to so far. Describe that conversation.
4: Just like any other uh, talk with, uh, as you would call him, Adriel Jeremiah Green. <laughs> I think I think you called that um, I, uh, pretty close to sixty-five times, maybe forty, because uh, your first game was his first game. Correct. And he was the same. And he was he was the same as uh, as you would expect. He was uh, very matter of fact. Uh, He didn't sound relieved or anything like that. You know, sometimes you talk to these guys after they make a decision and uh, you can tell the load is off. But A.J., that's why he was such a great player and such a great locker room guy. He was just cool and easy. You know, he was going he's going on to the I, I, I don't think it was an easy decision for him. You know, he's a he's a passionate guy. I think that's the is his his personality kind of kind of belies the passion that simmers in him. So but I found him to be uh, as gracious as ever. You know, I uh, if it had me, I would have been grousing about the injuries that cost me three 1000 yard scenes. But he didn't see it like that. He saw it as he was. uh, He was blessed to do what he did, which I things shows you what kind of human being he is. So I was, you know, he was, uh, he's excited about being able to, uh, you know, do do all the things that he hasn't been able to do with his family. And I, it sounded like he's interested in delving into investments and stuff. And I'm sure he'll be successful with that. So it was just like talking to him after a game board. He was like, uh, uh, only it was like talking to him after a win. Because, you know, after a loss, he wouldn't, he you could get him right at his locker, but he would still be dressed and he'd be fuming. You know, he'd be kind of, He'd be mad, but he but he but he talked. But he would, if it was a loss, he wanted to get it over with in his uniform. But
0: I think I could envision AJ. He was uh, he was uh, he was out of uniform, enjoying a win. It was great hearing him or or reading in your story that he's excited to openly root for the Bengals again, and so is his wife Miranda. Yeah, hard to, You know, as you know, this is a uh, the greens aren't the only
4: ones that are taken with this team. You know, and the fact that you know we forget, AJ played on that. I mean, AJ played with those guys. You know, I mean, I I I still think, and maybe I'm the biggest homer of all time. I, I'm the last guy in the world that thinks Joseph O'Saya, I guess, was hit. You know, should have been flagged for that play. But I definitely think that AJ Green should not have been called for offensive pass interference in Joe Burrow's first start. So that would have been a great uh, that 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 would have been a great trivia question because you got to feel like Joe is gonna be around for, you know, a long time. And A.J. Green is that other era, you know? And so he kind of played into both eras, you know? And I I think he helped those guys. I know, you know, T. Higgins, I went back and looked at some of the stuff that uh, T. Higgins said when, uh, you know, when A.J. was there, and how much he helped T. And, uh, you know, and he's still close to Tyler Boyd. So it's he's rooting for guys that he knows, you know? And uh, he, he got a great relationship with Mike Brown. You know, and uh, I, I joked with him. I said, I, you, you know, probably you probably didn't text Mike probably. And he said, no, he goes, I don't I don't think he looks at his cell phone. I said, well, you can expect a
0: handwritten letter at some point. And uh, he, he, he agreed with that. You will be up on that ring of honor someday. There's no question about it. We're visiting with Jeff Hobson, who's in Arizona for Super Bowl week. Your fellow media members there know that you cover the Bengals. What are they asking you about this week? What do they want to know about this team? Why aren't we there? I mean, I can't tell you how many. I can't tell you how many
4: people have. Uh, you know, I, I wear. I always wear my Bengals garb, and uh, so you know they. Say, oh, you, you. should have been there. I thought you were going to be here. You got a good team. You'll be back. You know, uh, and that's just passing in the hallway. But when you talk to guys like, Jim Miller of uh, Sirius Radio, Alex Marvez of Serious Radio uh howard balzer who's a, who's a hall of fame voter um Rappaport, if you can get Rappaport off the phone for a little bit you know they're they're uh uh you know they they know this team they, they, team is going to be in it you know so you know they all want to know about burrow's you know contract or something and i you know i said that's, that's to me that's a it's talking to steve serby about this uh, uh the guy the great writer from the post Who, by the way, once wrote the greatest line in Super Bowl history when the when the Packers got back to the Super Bowl in the '90s. The first word of his of his column was, "I am standing in the house Vince Lombardi used to live in." Okay, he went today. He went to Vince Lombardi's old house. Hmm. So, Serby's back for another Super Bowl, and he was talking about burrowing the boys and about that win over the Jets and uh, back in September, and he was. Talk, you know asking about the contract and how, how are they going to keep these guys that's another topic too is how how are they going to keep oh, all these guys even they even there.
2: asked
4: <laughs> you yeah, they even asked even asked you chase but i said to serbia i said you know this i said mike brown made boomer esiason the highest paid guy in the league twice uh he made carson palmer the highest paid guy in the league once um uh, so you know this is he's 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 been, he's been down this
0: road a few times so I do think that there's a little bit of a misconception out there nationally, at least, and maybe even somewhat locally, that this is something that has to happen now. Yeah. The truth is Joe's under contract really for two more years, assuming that the Bengals would pick up a fifth year option if they had to. And obviously they would. But this is the first year that they can extend yeah. the deal. And there are okay. some salary cap benefits long term if they do. What's your gut tell you? Do you think it gets done this offseason?
4: Well, that's that's their history. You know, I can only look at the history. Uh what they did Dalton uh, in, I think the camp of 2014, right? Which was when they had the first, I think they had the first chance to do it, right? That was after his first three seasons. Uh they did boom, you know, they did they, they would do back in the day, they would do boomer quietly, but they did Carson. Remember, they did Carson uh he hadn't even finished his first season yet. And they did it. So finished his third season. Uh, Well, it was, yeah, you're correct. That's correct. You are right, sir. Right. That's right. Thank you. Yeah. History would tell you that it, they do it sooner rather than later. I would imagine this is the same case now because he's going to, he's going to set the structure. He's going to set what you do with other guys and, you know, he, he's going to, he's not want to go out. He's not going to want to go out there and, play with the Lerman twins, although they had a great, they had a great <laughs> run together in Athens, but, you know, he's going to have other guys with him. So, you know, it's uh you got to get T figured out. You got to get Logan Wilson figured out. They're both, they're also both eligible right. to be talked to. Uh And then, of course, in the distance, you have Jama and, you know, defensively, certainly Von Bell and Jesse Bates are up and uh you know, so, you know, you would think if if, if he's going to set the salary structure, you'd probably like to get that done as soon as possible, but I'm sure they could still do business while they're talking to him, but history
0: would tell you sooner rather than later. You referenced Jamar Chase being out there in Arizona, and he was on the NFL Network on Wednesday, and when asked about Burroughs' contract, here's what Jamar said. Joe wants to set up his contract to keep some of his weapons around him. That's the quote. It sounds to me like they've talked about it, you would think, knowing their friendship and their history that they have. How significant do you think that comment was from Jamar?
4: You know, I, you know, I. It's like you said, you can only go by how close they are. It's also not surprising. You know, I think knowing knowing Joe, I think he's a pretty calculated. You know, he's a pretty. Uh, I don't want to say calculated, but he's a uh, he's a clear minded guy. And he he's wants to win. Fo- yeah, he's pretty focused. He mm-hmm. you know what he wants to do, and yeah, right. It's, I mean, it, it, every time he talks, he talks about winning. You know, he's not talking about passer rating and completion percentage and all that stuff. He's talking about wins. And so, yes,
0: I agree. I mean,
4: uh, I I, you would have to say uh, that
0: sounds like Joe. So Joe's not uh, due to be a free agent right away. But you mentioned some of the guys that are Jesse Bates, Von Bell, plus Jermaine Pratt, Eli Apple, Peyton Hurst. Those are five starters who are going to be free agents. I think most of us assume Jesse's moving on. It's been trending that way for a couple of years now. Of the others, who do you think is most likely to return? Great question. I mean, I uh, you look at Von
4: Bell, and I mean he's uh, very comfortable in the system, great in the locker room. I know he's got some ties around the league, you know, around the league with other you know teams and uh, guys who are up for jobs but he's a guy I would think he seems, uh, you know, he wants to win too. And I, you can't, you can't help but see the lure of number nine there for these guys, you know? And I think Vaughn, I think Vaughn's one of these guys, any guy that comes into the weight room every day at six in the morning, that tells me he's not, he's, he's running it for just a paycheck. You know what I mean? So, uh, he's a guy I could see, you know, sticking here cause you know, he wants to win and, uh, I'm, you know, he's, uh, he's he was a winner on the saints too. And what, and what were the two common denominators drew Brees and Burrow. So that, you know, I could, I could, sit, I could see more on you know, and I mean, I, uh, that would be a guy, I mean, but you know, I wouldn't give, uh, I wouldn't give short shrift to uh, Pratt either. I think Pratt's pretty comfortable here. His good friend, BJ Hills on the team. Um, he's really come on under the, you know, he's really the last two years under Lou. He's really, he's really come on. So, you know, that, that, you know, but what would, but would he want to be? You know, uh, I think Wilson and Pratt are seen as two guys. Would he want to go someplace where he wants to be the guy? I don't, you know, who knows? I mean, but I think everything's on the table with these guys. I think it is hard to say one guy's more likely than the other, because I think Burrow kind of changes everything. And and, and the success Burrow and the success of the last two years is, you know, Hard to know what guys are thinking and hard to know where they are in their lives, you know, and what they want to accomplish at this stage in their lives. And uh, each guy's different. But I think, you know, I think if a lot of guys stay, that would that would not be surprising because they know they got a shot. I think they believe and they've lived it and they've seen it. They have
0: a chance every year to get here factor that you never know at this point is what other teams might offer i mean nobody expected cj uzama right. to get the deal that he got last year so i know that hayden hurst wants to be back right but will another team go crazy and make an yeah. offer that that just simply does not make sense for the Bengals? you don't know no no
4: it's, no, no right you don't know and, and you don't know what a guy's thinking will it would a guy take less to stay Would a guy does a guy want more does a guy need more I think keeping the team together, I think, is that's that's just gonna be the hard I mean they've done such a good job putting this one together. It's gonna to be probably even tougher to keep it together, you know, and but I think we'll have a lot of help. Joe's gonna have give them a lot of help in that regard. And I think, you know, I think Zach Taylor's built a great I uh, you have to say what a, he's done a hell of a job in that locker room. And if you didn't think so, you thought so after BJ Hill stood next to Joseph Asai. After that uh, conference championship game, that shows you what they've got, mm-hmm. and so uh, it's uh, makes this it makes this locker room quite a lure, I think, in free agency.
0: A Couple more topics. As we record this, Luana Rumo is reportedly one of two finalists for the Arizona. He could be Lions. right around the corner from here. He could be right around the yeah. corner
4: from here. You're in Arizona.
0: Yeah. yeah. Yep, so he's supposedly one of two finalists for that job. Brian yep. Callahan is apparently still on the lengthy list of guys who are can being considered by the Indianapolis Colts. If either or both leave, are the replacements in-house? I would think so.
4: I think that was part of the deal when Mike, uh, uh, when they, when the when the uh, ownership opted to go for an offensive head coach. I think the thinking was, you know, they were looking at points like this where they would get coaches, you know, where other coaches would leave. And I think they felt like you got to have a system. You got to have a, a, at least on one side of the ball, you have to have a system that the head coach has. And uh, so Zach, Zach, this is Zach's offense. So uh, certainly you don't want guys like Callahan and Troy Walters is up for a job. Uh, The wide receivers coach, Dan Pitcher, the quarterback's coach, he's up for a job. Uh, He's already had two interviews in Tampa. But Zach, the guy, ultimately, Zach, it's Zach's system. He's still here. He's not going anywhere. So, I mean, that's a key thing on that side of the ball. And, you know, defensively, it's an interesting call. You know, uh, uh, James Betcher worked with Lou in New York. James Betcher is a two-time defensive coordinator. Uh, His best, you know, he he had three top ten defenses in Arizona, uh, uh, you know, several years ago. So, you know, he would seem to be, you know, would he be a candidate? Um, he, he has done the job before. So, you know, I, I, and, and they, you know, they, uh, and uh, I think Zach and Duke uh, and Mike have done a great job with coaching continuity. I mean, and that's, uh, you know, you, you, I mean, you know, Mike, you've talked to Mike enough. Uh, he, 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 he is rock ribbed in his belief that you have to have consistency, particularly in coaching. And, uh, I, I think he's been proven correct down through the years. So, You know, I think those, you know, those in-house guys get an extra long look,
0: I think, in Cincinnati. Mike puts it differently than anybody else I've ever heard, as you would expect. When we're all singing from the same hymnal, (laughs) (laughs) it's hard. It's hard to change uh, from year to year. So that's a classic way of Mike talking about uh, coaching continuity. Yeah, that's uh, he just didn't come up with that either you know, and I think he's seen that, he, he's, he's
4: seen that play out. He saw it, he saw it on his dad's back when, you know, I mean, Paul Brown's first stabs, I know it was a different time and a different era, but they barely changed, you know, in the, in the, the, when he was coaching the team for the first eight years.
0: So you're in Arizona for the Super Bowl. You've been around players from both teams, coaches from both teams. Do you have a rooting interest? Do you have a a feel for who you think is going to win? You know, I, I hate the i had a nice conversation with the former bengals coach uh
4: we'll we'll get to these notes uh, later after the hall of fame stuff but uh old running back coach jamal singleton is out here he's the assistant head coach for the eagles really really sharp guy um and uh they they the eagles do a great job running the ball did a little did a little story with uh lane johnson and got to spend some time with him who's a big willie anderson guy and and uh talk to their offensive line uh, coach a little bit, uh, Jeff Stoutland, and uh, they're they're very impressive uh, up front, you know. And uh, I mean, you know, the Chiefs are the Chiefs are a great team, you know. What we've had four classic games, it's unbelievable when you think about the. Game. I mean, every game's been a classic. But this Eagles bunch, it's a uh, they're uh, they're intriguing after being around them a little bit. I mean, and I just look at how they run the ball. And Willie Anderson was talking about that too. He was saying. When they block the run, they're picture perfect. Their combo blocking is like right out of the textbook. So, you know, I hate to get back to the running game, but that's they they could they could take over this game in in the run game, and we might not see much. You know, the plan might be not to see much of Patrick. You know, that's that's uh, you know as you know I, I mean, obviously if he's not on the field, he can't beat you. But I I think, and the Eagles are so good on the other side of the ball too. I just they're so good on both sides of the ball it's hard to me to
0: see them losing a game like this well i hope you're right because i'm rooting really? for the eagles, and, for the eagles yeah? my fellow southwestern central high school graduate nick Siriani. right his hey, dad fran was my high school science teacher so this is kind of cool wow so, that's great that yeah. is great. how about that
4: um yeah that's uh uh, and, and they're kind of guys you kind of like a little bit like Hassan Reddick is kind of like the Eli Apple of that team a little bit. He's got a second. He got a second chance. and He's got 16 sacks. And, um, you know, I, I, I think that. Uh, is this the Andy Reid thing is uh, what a great thing. That, I mean, uh, what a story that is. I mean, he's hugging some of those Eagles. He's hugging some of those Eagles guys on the on the stage that were there when he when he was there. You know, and so it's uh, yeah, I I think this uh this one is uh, it's going to be tough to watch though because you're just going to think uh, you know how close the Bengals were to getting there, you know, and uh I would have liked to match up with the with the Eagles. It would have been their 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 pass rush would have been tough, but I think that uh, you know Joe could have gone after their secondary, you know, and I think our defense would have been a nice match for you know we're tough to run the ball on. You know, and uh, I think Hertz might have, you know, I think Lou might have had a few things for Hertz. So we'll just have to, we'll just have to kind of do a fantasy game on the
0: side, I guess. We're both still in mourning. They probably would have had Kappa back. They might have had Jonah back. So that would have been helped as well. But hey, here's the good news of the 14 teams that made the playoffs, they had the youngest roster.
2: Burrow's not playoff. going
0: anywhere. The Bengals aren't going anywhere. So hopefully yeah. uh, next year uh, we'll yeah. be will be still in the hunt uh, at this point of the Super Bowl week. Well, and the great thing,
4: Horty, is they've got the youngest roster, and they got one of the uh, most – after the Eagles, they might have the most postseason games, even though they're so young, you know, which is – that's a great combination.
0: Well, as I said off the top, it is a night for Bengals fans to celebrate Ken Riley officially going into the hall of fame. You had a lot to do with that and also getting Willie Anderson in the room. So congratulations. Thank you on your, uh, for your efforts and uh, look forward to seeing you when you get back to town.
4: Forty, that's very kind of you. You know, it's kind of a family deal here. The Riley's are all, are all out here and it's a great thing to see. And I know Carrie Hobson's listening on her podcast and, one day, as a family, we're going to go up and see Kenny Riley's bust, and uh, as a family, and uh, we'll will be up there and to honor to honor his family, and hopefully, Willie will be going back up to visit Willie and 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 Isaac and Corey and you know uh, Joe and Jamar if
0: we live that long, which would be nice. That's going to do it for this episode of the Bengals Booth Podcast presented by Kettering Health, the official healthcare provider of the Bengals, by Bengals Picks and Ultimate Bengals. They're free to play with tickets and signed merchandise up for grabs. By Paycor, the official HR software provider of the Bengals, and by AltaFiber, future proof fiber internet. Elevate your connection with AltaFiber.